The Chicago White Sox avoid going to arbitration with several players, which is a good thing because one of them is a player that they had an issue with uh, last year around this time. White Sox were active at the start of the international signing period, bringing in the son of a 2005 White Sox legend. Uh, also with the Northsiders enjoying their fan convention, how are you feeling about Sox Fest being canceled for the third year in a row? You are locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Lockdown White Sox. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. Each and every day, we're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter, at Lockdown Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, just search Lockdown White Sox. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong, diehard Chicago White Sox fan, recording this podcast uh, just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Really appreciate you letting me steal some of your time to talk off-season White Sox. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, uh, your team every day. We have some uh, White Sox anniversaries to celebrate maybe commiserate uh, over. Uh, the White Sox were once again active uh, during the international signing, uh, coming to an alleged agreement with a top 50 prospect. Uh, and the Sox avoid the arbitration drama and come to terms with all players involved in spring training inches closer. Uh, welcome back to Locked on White Sox. Uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, we are in the off-season mode, uh, down to three episodes uh, a week instead of the traditional five episodes. We'll get back to that Monday through Friday schedule uh, probably around uh, mid-February when pitchers and catchers report to Glendale, uh, Arizona. Uh, if some major news on the White Sox front happens, of course, uh, the episode number can always be modified. Look for episodes uh, this week, Wednesday uh, and Thursday. We had a call to action a couple weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago. And I just got to thank you so much for stepping up. We are uh, less than 100 subscribers away on the YouTube channel from hitting that 1,000 mark. Uh, I was hoping we can get to 1,000 before spring training. I think we're going to do it. Uh, we are still trailing uh, the Lockdown Guardians, Lockdown uh, Tigers, and Lockdown Twins. Would love if we could take over the AL Central by uh, at least opening day, but really appreciate. You know, I, I say it at the beginning of this, of this podcast, and I do appreciate uh, you giving your time to Lockdown White Sox. There are so many other uh, ways to consume White Sox content. There's a lot out there, uh, and I appreciate the listens, the views, the comments, uh, everything. Uh, do appreciate that. Speaking of comments, uh, we're going to do Mailbag Wednesdays once again. Going to try to run this uh, up until the start of spring training. So if you've got questions, comments, uh, wonderings, whatever it may be, uh, you can get those questions over to lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Uh, uh, you can you know send those comments in through YouTube if you want. If you want it to be a mailbag question, uh, you can uh, send them to me uh, even through Twitter if you want. 
uh, go ahead, do that, and uh, we'll get through some of those questions. Got some good ones already uh, for Wednesday. You know, I, I mentioned emergency podcast. Uh, you know, we're, we're at three episodes right now a week, but I would absolutely love to do an emergency episode. Please, White Sox, give me the opportunity uh, to do an emergency episode. Let there be a trade. Finally, let it happen so I can sneak in another episode with some breaking news, even if it's on the weekend. I've been waiting for something big. We had the Benatendi thing, uh, the Clevenger thing, I guess, way at the beginning. Uh, but I, it just feels like uh, incomplete right now. Uh, this offseason, some things were addressed, but uh, they haven't done nearly enough. And, and I would love to do uh, an emergency episode about a big uh, trade. Uh, we are less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Wow. Uh, 40 days until the first spring training game. I believe it's against uh, the San Diego Padres. Uh, 76 days uh, until opening day. Uh, Again, Sox will be in Houston, unfortunately. Uh, And 81 days until the home opener. Uh, But who's counting, really? Uh, That home opener uh, against the San Francisco Giants, uh, I, I think that's a Tuesday and it's a 3.10, 3.40. It's an afternoon start, uh, which is different. They're usually like around noon. Uh, so it's nice to have a little bit later in the day, get some tailgating in. I'm already thinking about uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's coming. You can't stop what's coming. It's happening. And with these cold, dreary, uh, rainy January days, it's kind of exciting to think that uh, less than a month away, uh, and we're going to be into some uh, – some Glendale, Arizona, Camelback Ranch conversations. Uh, you know, you, you, you had to notice. I noticed this stuff. I don't want to notice it, but it's a right across town. You know, every media outlet covers it as well for the most part. Uh, the Chicago Cubs had their fan convention, Cubs Con, uh, this past weekend. And, and I got to be honest, I, I'm, still, I'm still bitter that there's no Sox Fest uh, this year. For the third time in a row, you know, Cubs were able to introduce a lot of their new players and they feel like they've been signing somebody different, you know, every day, whether it's Swanson and Bellinger and just recently Trey Mancini, uh, you had, you had Ricketts, you had the owner out there at the convention on the stage, you know, talking and conversing, it's delivering a message, so to speak to the fans, whether they like the message, did not like the message, uh, how He's there. He's in front of the fans. He's out there public, you know, as a presence. I, I, I've been to a lot of Sox Fest. I can never uh, remember a Jerry Reinsdorf sighting, even after the Sox won the World Series, that Sox Fest uh, January 2006. No sight of him. There was a huge panel with Kenny Williams and Ozzie Guillen, and, and he was nowhere to be found. It, it just it rubs me the wrong way, you know, and I don't think – things would ever change. I really don't believe Jerry Reinsdorf. He just doesn't care. You know, I don't think he cares what fans think. It's not, it's not something he wants to do uh, as a marketing, as a PR. I mean, maybe people have talked to him in the White Sox, you know, development office, like, Hey, just to save face, you know, we've got, you know, season ticket holders, we've got paying customers show up, make a statement, write something to the fans after the season uh, that we had. Uh, someone also pen it. We'll just put your name at the end just to seem the optics uh, that you care a little. 
uh, just something I noticed with everything that was happening with CubsCon. Um, they're also, it looks like they're unveiling a new statue in front of Wrigley Field, and, and the White Sox have no shortage of statues uh, on the concourse. And just got me wondering what the next uh, White Sox statue could be. And I, I'm waiting for a Mark Burley statue. I think he would be the next one. Uh, he's had his number retired and all that. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, wondering, I'm wondering when they're going to get to another statue. There's a few others that, you know, their, their numbers have been retired and they don't have a, they don't have a statue yet uh, out there. So I, I think Burley would be the next one. Uh, and the Cubs, you know, they're not the only one that have this uh, team Hall of Fame. Have you noticed this? Other franchise have a team Hall of Fame. I've talked about it a little bit uh, in previous episodes. I know the Kansas City Royals have that. And they have a brick and mortar of like team uh, Hall of Fame that you can visit out beyond the left field uh, stands when you go to that uh, Kauffman Stadium. Uh, tons of memorabilia. I think right now you would have to view White Sox Hall of Fame type memorabilia uh, if you are dining before sitting in the scout seats. In that little restaurant they have behind uh, all these, you know, behind glass, they've got some excellent stuff from all the different eras, but it'd be nice if it was open to everybody, right? And we had certain players maybe that were inducted into a White Sox Hall of Fame that not necessarily were worthy of a number being retired. I had a short list, but, you know, guys like Dick Allen, A.J. Brzezinski, Wilbur Wood, uh, Jack McDowell, Ron Karkovice, you know, they they spent some time and did some very memorable things in a White Sox uniform. Again, just something that I kind of picked up and noticed uh, while the Northsiders were having their fun uh, this past weekend. Still bitter that there has been no, there was no Sox Fest. Like you, you can read into why, and you don't have to really imagine too far of why. You know, with the sell the team banners and the way the team disappointed. Uh, I just don't think they want to face fans, and I don't think they frankly care. And it's almost like a you know, you don't deserve this because of how you behave. Like we were getting scolded as fans when, you know, the Reds, the Reds lost a hundred games this past year and they had a Reds fest. You know, there have been Sox fests after some horrible, horrible years. And maybe you didn't have big, you know, splashy sign. You had, you had Ben attendee. That was your big splash. Uh, but you had a new manager brought in with a brand new coaching staff. I would love to hear uh, from Pedro Grafol in person, not just through you know a press conference, but get there, be able to ask some questions, maybe to the coaching staff as well. Forget, you know, that Saks Fist can be a money grab, which it is, and it's commercialized, and it's an excuse for you know people to just peddle you know their merchandise. It's a chance for fans to rub shoulders with like-minded people, you know, in the dead of winter to celebrate uh, the team they love. And, and spend most of their year with six, seven, eight months out of the year. They spend their money on this team, on this franchise. Uh, and it would be nice to just go there uh, almost like, you know, in a, in a shareholder situation and just hear from the team. OK, what am I getting myself into uh, this season? You know, sell me. Maybe you're on the fence on season tickets or tickets in general. And you hear from someone like Pedro Grafol and the plan that he has for this coming season, big missed opportunity, still a little bitter that there was no Sox Fest again, third year in a row. Uh, thinking, Speaking of just uh, player development, things that happened uh, with, with the guys that are on the team for now, uh, 
arbitration, avoiding arbitration, a busy, busy time late last week. Uh, you had uh, Lucas Giolito agreeing to a $10.4 million deal for the 2023 uh, season on Friday. Uh, Chicago also agreed to terms with its four other arbitration eligible players prior to the deadline uh, to exchange salary figures. You have uh, Dylan Cease will make $5.7 million in 2023, uh, Lopez 3.6. Uh, Michael Kopech, uh, around $2 million, and Jose Ruiz, uh, just under a million. They all got their deals done. Uh, like Giolito, Lopez was in the third year of arbitration eligibility. Uh, Cease, Kopech, and Ruiz were all arbitration eligible for the first time. Now, last year, if you remember, in 2022, Lucas Giolito and the White Sox didn't work out a deal prior to the deadline for arbitration-eligible players to exchange salary figures uh, however, Giolito didn't end up going to an arbitration hearing as he eventually signed for $7.45 million last April 1st, one week before the start of the season. So last year, Giolito requested $7.5 million. The White Sox requested $7.3 million. That's a $200,000 difference, just 2.7% of the White Sox number. It turns out that in those negotiations that came before the filings, the sides had gotten to within $50,000 before the talks shut down. You might remember all the drama that happened last year around this time. Uh, Daryl Van Scoven uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times posted Giolito's thoughts in a tweet last year. Uh, Lucas Giolito described going to arbitration with the White Sox as frustrating, very unfortunate, disheartening said it came down to $50,000 uh, prior to filing. It's like, come on, very upsetting. So it's nice to have, you know, uh, there be maybe no animosity heading into spring training, but it's not personal, it's business, right? That's what Jerry will probably say. Again, this is a walk year for Giolito. He's pitching for a contract, whether he admits it uh, or not. Uh, the Sox have been no stranger to the international market as we look no further than Oscar Colas. I'm going to tell you how the White Sox made a splash this year. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football uh, to basketball, we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Uh, BetOnline, where the game starts. So international signings, that was a big thing that happened just a few days ago. Sox uh, always active, at least lately. Uh, you know, in, in the international market, uh, according to industry sources, uh, the White Sox uh, have agreed to a, a $700,000 deal with right-hander Luis Reyes, the number 41 prospect on the international top 50 prospects list. Uh, the White Sox, who had a base signing pool of $5.3 million, have not confirmed the agreement. The deal is Pending a physical, which is no slam dunk, according to MLB.com contributor Jesse Sanchez. Reyes has a loose arm, a plus fastball, and other pitches on the way. He is projectable, having sprouted up 
to six foot three while also adding muscle in recent years. The growth has translated to more power and athleticism. His experience playing against competition in the United States in tournaments and on the showcase circuit has also served him well. The result is a teen who is poised, competitive, and does not get rattled. Uh, what's more, uh, Reyes's mound presence and overall demeanor when he takes the ball is also noteworthy. The righty who is trained uh, by the Miami Miracles has also been praised for his makeup and maturity on the mound. Uh, that was Jesse Sanchez with MLB.com. So here is a 2023 international uh, signing tracker, all White Sox agreements. You've got Reyes out of the Dominican Republic, uh, Abraham Nunez Jr., a shortstop out of the Dominican Republic for 700000 Angelo Hernandez, a catcher out of Venezuela, uh, 500000 uh, Rafael Alvarez, outfielder out of Cuba, 300000 And then Juan Uribe Jr., shortstop out of the Dominican Republic for $200,000. Uh, this is what Juan Uribe Sr. had to say about the signing uh, several teams have shown interest in my son, but I would like him to sign with the White Sox because he was born and raised in Chicago, and I played for them for five seasons. Uh, Juan Uribe Sr. said, I love uh, White Sox fans. Of course, Juan Uribe, a 2005 uh, White Sox legend, one of the greatest catches in World Series uh, history. Uh, he'll be always remembered. And uh, interesting to have Juan Uribe Jr. kind of back into uh, the fold. We'll see what 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 happens. You know, I depending on who you talk to when it comes to the farm system and, and international signings. I mean, there's there are some fans out there that are like, eh, I'll see it when I believe it. You know, like let me pay attention to the players that are actually on the team. You know, who is going to be there opening day in Houston? What team are we going to have? Uh, trying to recapture the AL Central and maybe more, you know, and, and there's others that really get into, you know, what's coming up the pipeline? Where, where's the youth? You know, wh what are we going to be developing? You know, what can the Sox look forward to in several years? And, and there's other fans that are just burnt out. They're like, you know what? I stopped believing in prospects and youth uh, a while ago when we had so many busts and, and they didn't know what they were doing. There's been a development problem. Talked a little bit about it. Uh, last week on this podcast, and you are well aware as a White Sox fan, uh, the Sox have struggled with that. So what are we going to be seeing, you know, on the field uh, come opening day? It, there's there's question marks out there. There still are with less than a month to go before spring training. I think there's going to be some battles there. I mean, you got a loose, you got a loose lineup that look could look something like, you know, Anderson, uh, Benatendi, Jimenez, Robert, Mancada. Vaughn, Grandal, maybe Colas and Gonzalez. So Colas and Gonzalez are your question marks, which second base right field have been the question marks uh, since the beginning of the offseason and, and, and have been question marks for several seasons. I think that's what brings so much frustration when Sox fans say, I'm excited about spring training, but it's incomplete right now, you know, and I think I was having this conversation with uh, my co-host, Pat Hester, on the weekly White Sox podcast. I do Good Guys Talk Back, and it was a great conversation about, you know, I, I think there's a hope that the, the franchise is banking on, you know, several core players returning to accustomed levels 
So that will overshadow the struggles that whatever second baseman wins the job has or the right fielder, you know, because Colas is going to struggle. Romy Gonzalez or Lenin Sosa are going to struggle. A, a Gonzalez-Sosa battle could be, you know, enjoyable and, and that could be fun, but that feels like a 2018, 2019 situation for the White Sox. Not when we're still in the competitive window and we really need to maximize as soon as possible, especially if we get health and productivity from some of our core guys, we're going to have question marks at second base still and right field, you know, but that's where we are right now uh, here in mid-January. Bartola Colon and David Wells. How about those two names? Uh, they pitched for the Chicago White Sox many years ago. I'm going to tell you why their time on the South side was so brief, but impactful. Uh, more on that in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. Uh, we just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you have got to try a Built Bar. Uh, with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Uh, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. Uh, what makes Built Bars so good? They are covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. Not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box in the mail. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Uh, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Uh, head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk up to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Folks, the puffs are absolutely outstanding. I'm telling you, uh, treat yourself to these. Uh, and if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. So some anniversaries to talk about, uh, you know, throughout this offseason, I've been trying to highlight uh, different moments in White Sox history when there was a signing or whether it was a trade or an acquisition. And uh, we just missed uh, just recently uh, a, a guy that we were thinking about keeping in our thoughts and prayers, Liam Hendricks, uh, at this time back in 2021, uh, Hendricks signed a $54 million deal over as few as four years uh, to be the closer for the White Sox. The fourth year of the deal had an option year worth $15 million. If the White Sox were to decline the option, a $15 million buyout would be paid in 10 equal installments between 2024 and 2033 that was it i remember that when that contract went down there was a very interesting odd uh, contract uh 2003 uh, 20 years ago uh, around this time the white sox acquired starter bartola colon as part of a three-way deal with the montreal expos and new york yankees a uh, yankee sent Orlando El Duque Hernandez to the White Sox for Eddie Caldenario uh, and Antonio Ozuna. Uh, the White Sox then dealt Hernandez to the Expos along with Rocky Biddle, Jeff Leifer, how about those names, and Cash for Cologne and Jorge Nunez. Uh, Cologne performed very well 
in 2003. But much like what we have with Giolito in 2023 here this season, it was Cologne's uh, walk year. And to nobody's surprise, the Sox did not retain his services. Bartolo Cologne uh, signed a four-year, $50 million deal with the Angels. He won the Cy Young in 2005 but things ended up just fine for the Southsiders that year. Uh, and then go all the way back to 2001. And if you don't remember this, if you weren't around for this, if these if this was foggy to you, go back and find the articles on all this drama that went down. Um, speaking of Sox pitchers that were not around very long, David Wells, who had a great year in 2000. Uh, David Wells was acquired by the White Sox around this time in 2001. Uh, he won five games in 16 starts that year, suffering from back issues uh, all year long, and then throwing Frank Thomas under the bus in, in a radio interview about an injury that Thomas was suffering that year. Needless to say, uh, that was his only year on the south side. He went back to the Yankees in 2002 and won 19 games and made 31 starts. Folks, thank you so very much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcast. We are on Twitter at Lockdown Sox. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Nick underscore GGTB. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and pass it along to other White Sox fans in your life. I do appreciate that. Uh, Get your questions in for uh, Mailbag Wednesday. Uh, locked on socks at gmail.com. Uh, Thanks for making Locked On White Sox your first listen. Now make your second listen Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up in the next episode, I'll continue to examine offseason scenarios as we count down to spring training in Glendale, Arizona. Really appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Morowski, and until next time, go Sox.